Psalm 23 from the Revised Standard Version of the Bible, the Common English Bible, and the Message. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. God my shepherd, I don't need a thing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths for the sake of his good name. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you, thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows. You set a table for me right in front of my enemies. You bathe my head in oil. My cup is so full it spills over. You served me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revived my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yes, goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the Lord's house as long as I live. Your beauty and love chase after me every day in my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Just like all the other passages in our brand new worship series that starts today, these words from the 23rd Psalm are among the most widely translated and memorized and recited of all of the scriptures. Many of us learned these words as children, recited them in times of need, and heard them in countless funerals. It is a common part of our faith vocabulary. We like it because it is poetic. It's not long-winded like many of Paul's writings. It is not mysterious and hazy like many of the prophetic oracles. It is simple and vivid. When we hear the words, we imagine placid pools of water and lush green pastures and lavish feasts on tables. These scenes draw us in and they immerse us in the experience. And the power of this psalm is in how much it seems to know accurately about you and me. Because it does not paint a picture of a life that is perfect and easy, because life, as you know, rarely ever is. 
Our days are not always sunny. Our lives are not always simple. And our relationships are not always friendly. This psalm gets that. This psalm gives us permission to name those times when we walk through the darkest valleys, even the valley of the shadow of death. This psalm gives us permission to name our enemies, whether those enemies are human beings or other forces and influences in our lives. This is a psalm that truly understands us. And I suppose that is what makes it so enchanting, so compelling, and so comforting for so many people throughout the generations of the church. But since this is a series about taking a fresh look at old favorites, I wonder if this psalm might be more than just comforting for us. I wonder if this psalm might even be challenging for us. Look at the first nine words of this psalm. The very first sentence in and of itself is a challenge. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And instantly we recognize that this passage is not like us at all. Because even though the psalmist, even though the psalmist does not want for anything, you and I most certainly do. We we not only want, we are driven by our wants. Our tendency is to assess our lives not based on what we have, but on what we don't have. At the beginning of our lives, the tendency to want is what ensured our survival. There was nothing wrong with wanting. When we were young, we wanted food to keep us healthy. We wanted water to drink. We wanted clothes to keep us warm. We wanted shelter to protect us. But as we grew up, as we ventured into maturity, that that line between want and need became blurrier and blurrier. All of a sudden, we started comparing our lives with those around us. We start listening to the messages of the culture around us. We want to be, we want to be the most admired, the most respected. We want to be more liked and more appreciated. We want to have the best house and the nicest cars. We, we want to wear clothes that don't make us embarrassed. We want, we want bodies that we're not ashamed of. We want to have the brightest children, the most accomplished career, the most adorned trophy cases. And the truth is, if you and I were rewriting this psalm for ourselves, it would probably start with, the Lord is my shepherd. Now give me what I want, what I really, really want. <laughs> Just call me Asian Spice. That's what I am. (laughs) Truth be told, there is nothing inherently wrong with wanting. When we're at our healthiest, it's okay to want. It's okay to strive for excellence. It's okay to try to be the best that we can be. It's okay to maximize the full giftedness and potential that God has given us. But the first verse of this psalm right out of the gate, reminds us of the very priorities with which we are to order our wants and our desires. It's right there in the second word of the psalm. The Lord. The Lord. 
Our wants and our desires must not be dictated by an image-driven culture. Our wants should not be motivated by our own selfish agendas, our own desires for power and prestige and fame and possession. Our wants, instead, should be governed by one thing and one thing only, and this psalm makes it very clear, that one thing is a desire to put God first, to follow God as our shepherd, and to do all the will and work of God on earth. Maybe that's why the psalmist is so fond of calling us sheep. (laughs) Maybe David, as you know, who spent so many of his younger years out there in the fields with those sheep, realized that there was a connection to be made between the, the condition of sheep and human personality. When David was inferring that human beings were like sheep, what do you think he meant by that? Sheep are often thought of as dumb. Is that what David thinks of human beings? Is that what David thinks of you and me, that we are dumb, that we are bumbling, stumbling, prone to wandering, dim-witted? There once were two sheep who were walking along the grasslands. Suddenly, both sheep fell into a hole, and they couldn't get out. So the first sheep starts bleeding, starts yelling, Help! It's my sheep impression, sorry. Help! But nobody came to help, so the sheep tried again. Help! Help! After a while, the second sheep blurts in, hey, you know, this isn't working. It it might help if we shout together. So the first sheep goes, together, together. (laughs) That's a a dumb joke, sorry. Well, I don't know about you, but if David is calling us dumb like sheep, I'm not sure that's entirely helpful. Okay, thanks for the second opinion. I've got someone calling here. Please tell me it's a sheep calling. That would be great. I don't know that calling us dumb is entirely helpful, but if we were to take a new look at an old favorite, maybe we're like sheep in another way. The marvelous preacher Barbara Brown Taylor once preached a sermon called The Voice of the Shepherd. And she did a little bit of research on correcting common misperceptions about the personality of sheep. She addressed the bad reputation that sheep have gotten over the years as being dumb. And she jokingly asserted that this idea that sheep are dumb is a myth that's been advanced by the cattle industry. (laughs) So she said in her sermon, cows are herded, herded from the rear by hooting men on horseback, cracking whips. But this doesn't work with sheep at all. You stand behind sheep and make loud noises, and all they'll do is run around and go behind you because they prefer to be led. You push cows, but you lead sheep. 
and they will not go anywhere that someone else does not go first, namely their shepherd, who goes ahead of them to show them that everything is all right. It's a marvelous point. I like her second point even better. She says, sheep tend to grow fond of their shepherds. A shepherd can apparently walk right through a sleeping flock without disturbing a single sheep, while a stranger could not even step a single foot into the fold without causing pandemonium. Sheep develop a relationship with their shepherd that is quite exclusive. They develop a language of their own that outsiders are not privy to. A good shepherd can distinguish a bleat of pain from one of pleasure, while the sheep learns that a single click of the tongue means food, or a a two-note song means that it's time to go home. Barbara Brown Taylor's essential message of this is this. (laughs) Her essential message is this. Y'all shouldn't be cows. Y'all should be sheep. Maybe it's no wonder the psalmist then is so fond of calling us sheep. Not to insult us. Not, Not as a pejorative term to call us dumb. But a challenge challenge to take all of our agendas, all of our priorities, all of our selfish ambitions, all all of our wants, and make them secondary to one thing, and one thing only, knowing the shepherd, so that whenever we are tempted to be like cattle, you know, wandering out on our own, blazing our own trail, picking ourselves up by our bootstraps, and following our own agendas, Maybe, maybe instead we should be like sheep and follow that shepherd that we know so intimately. As you see, we need to know that shepherd's voice so clearly and so distinctly that we will be contented with whatever life throws our way, that we would no longer focus on what we don't have, but on what we do have, which is the grace and the love and the hope that God gives us that we would learn to yield our control to the one who leads us rather than trying to control our lives on our own so that even as we go through the shadowy, long, dark valleys of death and grief, even when we are confronted by the presence of enemies all around us, we can learn to follow and learn to have hope. Being a sheep in God's fold does not mean being dumb, does not mean being ignorant. It involves trust. It doesn't guarantee a perfect life. Being a sheep does not mean that your life will be easy, but it does contain promise that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All we need to do is put our wants aside and be willing to follow that shepherd and get to know that shepherd's voice intimately. There once was a Shakespearean actor 
who was known for concluding every one of his performances with a stirring recitation of the 23rd Psalm. Every single night after reciting some of the classics of literature, he would end his performance standing there in front of the crowd, reciting with great theatrical bravado with his classically trained voice, with such gravitas, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he would end with that glorious passage, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And every single night, the crowd would receive those words with thunderous ovation. They would stand to their feet with a standing ovation and, and massive applause. And then one night, as he was closing his performance, and just before he got up to recite the 23rd Psalm, a single hand went up in the crowd. It's a young man who asked, um, Sir, would it be all right if tonight I recited the 23rd Psalm? There was a hush in the crowd. The, the, the actor was taken back by such a brash request, but he agreed he stepped off to the stage as the young man took the center. In the back of the actor's mind, he thought, surely there is no way this, this young, inexperienced actor could possibly match my years of seasoned training and my theatrical acumen. But the young man began with a, with a gentle voice, a soft-spoken tone, and a, and a tender cadence as he recited those words. The Lord is my shepherd. And at the very end of his recitation, there was no applause, no standing ovation, not a single person clapped. But instead, there was weeping throughout the crowd. Not a single dry eye in the audience. The seasoned actor was amazed. He pulled the kid aside and said, I don't understand. I've been closing my performances with this recitation for years, yet I have never been able to move a crowd like you did tonight. Please tell me, young man, what is your secret? And the young man said, See, there's a difference. He said, you know the psalm, but I know the shepherd. Hmm. There's your new take on an old favorite. Friends, we are, we are called this morning to know that this great shepherd of our souls goes before us to lead us, to guide us, and to escort us homeward. And it's our job not to take the lead, but to follow. And to get to know this shepherd with such clarity and such intimacy that we could distinguish the shepherd's voice from all of the other voices in the world. Those voices that bombard us, the voices of polarization and bitterness and injustice, 
those voices of violence and revenge, those voices that would divide us, those are all intruders that would dare to step into the fold. But you and I are to know better. We are to know the voice of wholeness and peace and love and know the voice of the shepherd so well that we could even walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not even fear. And I suspect that here in this sanctuary this morning or watching online at this very moment, there are a whole host of crises that you are facing. Today, this psalm challenges us to trust, to listen, and to follow. Let us pray. O gracious God and shepherd of our souls, we thank you for leading us to still waters and lush pastures, for guiding us through life's darkest, most shadowy valleys, for accompanying us in the presence of our enemies, and for even this morning preparing a table for us a table where in just a few short moments we will come together to feast on the bread and the cup to remember your ongoing presence and your love among us. Forgive us, O Lord, for we do not always trust you. We are like stubborn cattle rather than trusting sheep. As we go, out, go throughout the living of these days, teach us to hear your voice and to follow it so that we might silence all voices but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.